0: Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. Well, this is what Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So the Philippian church was, think about northern Greece. It's fascinating. I don't have time to talk about the background of that. but It's fascinating when you read the background of these churches that got these letters. About where they were, how they were birthed what the situation was. Well, the situation was this Philippi. It was a a city that was completely controlled by Romans, populated by a lot of Roman, ex-Roman soldiers, officials. Uh, It was not a Jewish city. Paul goes there, winds up going there because Paul was trying to go to Turkey. Okay, Acts 16, he was trying. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go to Asia, meaning Turkey is where he was trying to go. The Holy Spirit wouldn't let him and said no. And so he has a dream. God speaks through dreams. Sometimes we're headed in a direction. We need to all be headed in a direction. Did you know that? Sometimes we don't know exactly that direction, but God expects people to be going in a direction. If God needs to adjust direction, he can do it like he did with Paul. Paul was on his second missionary journey. There's nowhere that I can find in the Bible where it says they were sent out to that. All I can find is Paul said, hey, let's go visit some people. Let's go visit the churches that we established back on our first missionary journey. That's how this whole great second missionary journey of Paul happened. There was no fireworks. There was no God speaking. It's just that God had put something in Paul. God's put something in all of us. We need to respond to what God's put in us. Well, we're not going to do it perfectly. Paul's trying to go to Asia. Are you all with me? The Holy Spirit forbid him. That's pretty strong. We better pay attention when the Holy Spirit starts forbidding. Holy Spirit forbid him. This is all in Acts 16. Okay. Holy Spirit forbid Paul to go there. And then he had a dream, and he had a guy from Macedonia was saying, "Hey, come help us and so Paul gets up the next day and talks to his buddies well, that's the Lord! We believe that's the Lord. We need to go to Macedonia, so to go to Macedonia, there's no Jewish synagogue there because Paul would always go to the Jewish synagogue when he came into town. The reason there was no Jewish synagogue there because there was not Ten, I think it was ten, right, Dean? Dean Stein, didn't it take ten Jewish heads of household to make a, make a synagogue? Yeah, so there was not even ten Jewish heads of household in the city. But, yeah, isn't that amazing? But where there was not a synagogue, this is amazing, speaking of the Holy Ghost River, they would go, the Jews would go to a, to the river. And pray that's where they would go They'd go by the river isn't that beautiful Down by the river So Paul where does Paul go There's no say of God we're going down to the river Isn't that Prophetic y'all That's where the church has got to get to We got to get to the river of God That's what he, That's what that was all Prophetic it wasn't just Some happenstance It's God speaking to people Find the Holy Ghost River. We sing about it. It's in you. We got to get to what's in there. He's in there. Are y'all okay? Y'all don't mind me yelling and carrying on, do you? So I'm just not going to get through with this. Maybe we should go home. You know. Um. So he goes down there, and there's a rich woman down there named Lydia. She was rich because she sold high-end fashion. Purple clothes Think about somebody Who sells really expensive clothes And that's what she was She was a, a You know Sophisticated Person She was some Bumpkin Like me Right She was some redneck That couldn't talk well She was serious She had money She had connection But God spoke to her heart And she got saved And she took Paul and his crew into her home. And there was their base was her home. That base, more than likely, was the birthplace of the church at Philippi. Isn't that amazing? Don't that just tear you up when you think about it? And so Paul and them are hanging out in the city. There's a girl who's a slave, speaking of trafficking. Thank God I might want to get everybody's attention this morning. She goes around prophesying. She had a gift, but it wasn't a gift from God It was a gift from the other side Because there is another side And the other side can say stuff And so this gift was going around saying These men are servants of the Most High God And it went on for a few days Well, it was the truth, right? The devil can tell some truths Well, I don't know why Y'all, I didn't mean to say all this I don't know why Paul didn't, the first time she said it, clamp down on her. Because you knew he discerned it wasn't the Holy Spirit. You knew it. But after a bit, Paul started getting irritated. Perhaps Paul knew, if I clamp down on her, I'm going to get in trouble. And he was thinking, I don't want to get in trouble. You know, I'm going to just do my business and move on. But finally, he just rebuked the Spirit and the, the Bible says the spirit came out of this woman. Actually, they call it a python spirit. In the Greek, it's a python. You know what a python snake is? Them big old snakes that wrap themselves around people. So what, what Paul was seeing in the spirit, he was seeing the spirit that could wrap itself around the people of God and choke the life out of them. That's what is happening in the world. There is a python spirit coming out of some people. And if we listen to them long enough, they're going to squeeze us and squeeze the life out of us. So we have to really learn how to hear the Lord in a greater way and, and be like Paul, discern. Well, guess what happens? These guys were making money, the people who owned her. They were making money off of her. They were using her to tell fortunes. And so they were getting money. All of a sudden, the spirit's gone. She can't do it no more. Right? Yeah, I <laughs> that's right. They get mad. They grab a hold of Paul and Silas who was with him, and throw him in jail. It says, okay. Actually, it says they throw them into the pit, the lowest part of the jail. Beat the fire out of them. That's what happened. They got beat badly. They were beaten, beaten, beaten. And they're down there locked away down in this dungeon. Okay. For what? For helping somebody. For helping somebody. See, today when you tell the truth, lots of times you're ridiculed. If you go along with the agenda, with the lie, you're accepted. But if you start beginning to tell the truth in culture, you're going to get in trouble. At most, you're going to get counseled. But, you know, to me the counsel thing means nothing. I'm already counseled. I was born council, so I ain't really worried about the counsel thing. But it could get worse. Are you hearing me? It could get worse. We're hoping it won't. We're hoping to get deliverance. So, anyways, they're down there praising the Lord. Y'all know that story. They're in the pit of the thing praising God, beat to death in prison, having no hope. All the other prisoners are listening to them like, what the heck's wrong with These fools. Are they drunk? They're down here. They're gonna die. You know, they're worse than we. You know, at least we're not chained up in the very pit. But guess what? God decides to do something. God intervenes and there's an earthquake that happens. This is what the Bible says. The earthquake happens and all the chains fall off and all the prison doors open. The the prisoner, the, the guy who over the prison, obviously he knows what's gonna happen to him. He knows he's gonna be tortured. And killed by the Romans because all the prisoners escaped. So he decides, I'm not going to be tortured. I'm going to go ahead and kill myself. The Bible says he was going to fall on a sword. He was going to stab himself and die. And Paul said, don't do it. We're all here. Nobody has escaped. Okay? And the guy comes down there and basically falls down on his knees before them. And he and his whole house were saved. So, you've got three people so far, or maybe more than three because of the house. So you got the Lydia, the girl's house where the church is. I'm sure the slave girl jumped in, like, I'm in this church. I'm in. These guys are bad. I'm in. So, she got the slave girl. Now, you've got this Roman jailer and his family. That's how the church in Philippi started. That's how it started. Ten years later, Paul writes this letter. Guess what's happening with Paul ten years later? Paul himself is now in prison in Rome under house arrest. I'm not going to finish this message. But I love all this stuff. I'm sorry. Let me just say this. Here's, Here's the house arrest for a Roman who's waiting to be tried before Caesar, which he was. They would put him in his own house. There would be a guard there with him more than likely chained by arm, chained to a Roman guard. High-level Roman guard, by the way, Caesar's guards. They would go guard these prisoners. Not the same guard; often they'd rotate the guards. But the problem was, the house, your food, your clothes, everything you had—you had the prisoner had to provide it. Rome didn't provide it, but you couldn't work. Okay, so that historically, a lot of those prisoners starved to death. They would just—they would die waiting and so two years as long as Rome one thing about the Roman government they had they had laws and they were real strict about following those laws like when Paul was beaten in, in Philippi he pulled that on him. like you sh- you cannot beat a Roman citizen without trying him first and those people were flipping like leave please don't tell on us because they'd have been in trouble for beating him like they did all that's so interesting. It really makes the Bible more of a fascinating book, doesn't it, when you think about this? And the Bible needs to be a more fascinating book for us. It really does. But So, so here's Rome. And so, so the church at Philippi sends a guy to Rome to bring Paul some money because Paul couldn't take care of his own needs. So that church, I think there's three times in the Bible where Paul mentions the church at Philippi providing for him. In other words, Paul that, that Paul that Paul was like their guy. Uh, we sent in their mind, we sent the founder of our church out. He's out preaching the gospel. We're going to take care of him. We're going to help him. So he had to have money from somewhere. It just didn't fall out of the air. Food just didn't appear. So they sent this guy, Epaproditus was his name. They sent him, it was an 800-mile trek from Philippi down to to Rome where Paul was at. So he goes to Paul. Is this interesting to y'all? It's fascinating. He goes and he brings a report about the church. Okay? And that's why Paul writes this letter. He hears the report of the church and he wants to thank them. For what they've done for him. Okay. And he wants to tell them about a couple of things that they were doing in the church that were not good. Okay. So if you look at the book of Philippians. Are you all with me on this? The book of Philippians tells you. There's a lot in this book. Obviously it's one of the most quoted book. New Testament books there are. I mean totally. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. Let's press on to know the Lord. Those are two amazing. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Those all come out of Philippians. <laughs> my God will supply all your needs according to what? His riches in heaven. We quote the fire of this book. We love this book kind of secondarily. It's never been my most favorite book. I, uh, if, you know, of Paul's letters, I, Ephesians is the tops for me. Because there was a couple issues in the Philippians church. One was legalism. They had a problem with legalism in that church. The other one was division. Did you hear what I just said to you? Yeah. Division. Remember what I was talking to you about the division that came into the body of Christ in 2020? Okay. So, Paul talks about three things, three major things in this book. Okay, the first one, and I think this is the most important one, is make Jesus Christ central to your life. That's the first thing. The na- Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus is mentioned 52 times in four chapters. If you read that book and pay attention to the words Paul uses over and over, He's trying to get the Philippians back to what really matters the most. Literally, who matters the most. In essence, he's saying to them, if you will make him central, if you will make him focus, then these other issues that you're having will resolve. Are you hearing me? And see, I think that's one of the things. But we'll get to that in a minute. The second one is this. This is powerful, y'all. If you'll make Jesus Christ central, you'll have the joy of the Lord. Because a lot of people think, oh, Philippians, the joy church. No, they didn't have joy. There's nowhere in that book where Paul says, you have joy. No, he says, you have what? Need of joy. Are you all with me? You have need of joy. And so he wrote the book. To get them back to putting the focus where they need to be, the, the person that need to be the most important in life. And out of that, the joy of the Lord would be the thing that happens in their life. They would begin to have the joy of the Lord. And guess what? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then when we get the joy working, he talks about the, the division and the need for unity in the body of Christ. But you can't have unity apart from joy, and you will never have unity if Christ is not central. Because you can be, if Christ is really the main focus in your life, then you can accept people who don't believe everything you believe. Okay, and you can say, you can believe that. I'm just not going to believe it. I'm good with that. I'm good with you thinking this is what the government's saying and doing. I don't believe it. But I don't have to divide from you over it. Are y'all with me so far? Yes, sir. Let me read this. Can I just this? I got ten minutes, man. So those are, those are the three key truths. Is Christ central in your life? Is he? Is he? Let me tell you this story. You want it? This is. My old story—I've told it before, but maybe two or three people in here have never heard this story about me. This is one of the most, def- well, I, you know, defining moments in my entire Christian life that I have never escaped from. I don't want to escape it. I rehearsed this in my mind. I was in the worst pickle in my life. Okay, I had this wife that was pregnant. I didn't have a job. I had a little baby boy, who's not a baby boy no more a little boy with co headed blonde hair, running around. I had no job. I had no money. Everything that I believed about God suddenly was gone. In fact, I was wondering about God. I was angry with God. You ever been there? You ever been where God didn't do what he was supposed to do in your life? God didn't show up like you thought he should show up. God didn't answer your prayers like you thought he should answer them. God wasn't like everybody that told you about God. Like, where's this God y'all taught me? Okay? Okay? So I had this uh, incredible day come in my life. It's like the shootout at O.K. Corral. You know what it is where I'm calling God out. Okay, we're going we're gonna to settle this, God. Okay, and one of us is going to walk away from this, and the other, I don't know what's going to happen with them. So I go out in the middle of nowhere, literally, miles away from everybody on these dirt roads in these North Carolina game lands, dirt roads far out. And get out of my truck that I had a $2 worth of gas I put in. Back then, gas was probably 85 cents a gallon. So it was a little more. It was enough to get there. But that's all the money I had. And I didn't care what happened after that. If I ran out of gas, I didn't care. Because I was desperate. And so I had this God where I just pour my heart out to him. And I shake my fist at him. And I scream at him. And I'm out in the woods standing in this dirt middle of this dirt road. Screaming at God, so upset that he's not doing what he's supposed to do. You're not acting like they said you were. What is this, the truth about you or not, God? And finally, I said everything that was to be said. I mean, that's after I terrorized everybody around me through stuff. And I, Jim, he always liked to talk about me throwing pillows from the couch one night. I was so upset. You were throwing the pillows off the couch across the room at the walls because she was so tore up and broke. And I was beyond broke. I was crushed as a person. And so I did all that with God that night, and finally I just was empty. I had nothing else to say to him. I said all I was going to say. And it was kind of a weird moment. You ever had a weird moment where... You feel like something in the atmosphere shifts. That's the way it felt. It felt like all of a sudden something happened. Like, what just happened? It was like the air cleared. And it was like God in heaven got off his throne. I don't know that he did. I don't know this. But it felt like God got off his throne and came down from heaven and stood in front of me. That's the way it felt. It felt there he was. He's here to answer me. He's here to speak to me. I knew God was there. It was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It was God had heard this crazy boy. I was in my 20s. This boy, this broken, broken hearted, messed up kid. God heard me. And he came down and talked to me. This is what he said to me. This is all he said to me. He said this. I don't know if he said it audibly. I don't know how he said it. But all I know is I heard it just like I can hear anybody's voice. And it was clear as a bell. He said this. He said, Byron, my face is like a diamond. And you would be wise to spend the rest of your life getting to know me as I reveal myself to you. That was it. And it was like he went back to heaven. I don't know why. That helped me because it didn't solve any of my problems. I still had no money. I still had a wife that was going to have a baby any day. I still had a little boy that needed food, and I had none of that. But in my mind, I thought, everything's going to be okay. I'm good. I said, okay, Lord, this is what I told him. I will spend the rest of my life getting to know you as you reveal yourself to me. And so, sometimes in life, let me read this one other scripture, and then we'll stop, okay? Philippians 3.10, this is what Paul said, I'm just getting in the middle of his stuff, but, that I might know him. So here's the Apostle Paul, that I might know him. You ever just (laughs) felt that? Have you ever just felt disappointed about God That you don't know him. Am I the only person in this room that questions all that? Constantly like, oh my gosh, I've been a Christian for a long time now. I mean a really long time. I've had some glorious experiences with the Lord. It's like, but I don't know you, Lord. And here's Paul. Not Paul just got on the Damascus Road experience. Paul, at the end of his life, within a couple of years, his head's going to be chopped off. He's uh, he's written these books. He's written these letters that became the Bible. And here he's just saying that I might know him. You see, it's just a lifetime endeavor. It's a lifetime goal. It's a lifetime purpose for us. And he was saying to these Philippians, you're broken. You're messed up. You're divided. You have no joy. And if you'll get to know him, if you will make him central. Now be careful. What I'm fixing to say here, because you could take it the wrong way. Pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Okay, pursue the love. Lust after is literally, and that's not a great word, but lust after the spiritual gifts. You can't swap those. See, here's how we do in life. Here, this, this, if you'll do this, you'll you'll get somewhere. God's going to move. There's going to be revivals. You're going to get blasted by the Holy Spirit, but more than likely it's going to come to an end. Okay, what are you going to do after the blast is over? There you are, laying on the floor one day, trying to be blasted, trying to have those feelings, and you realize it ain't working. The God part in this deal is not here. I'm telling you. Done it. Been there, done that. And didn't just do it one. I did a bunch to try to get that because I want that. So when the Lord moved, you know, we had this move of the Lord. We've talked about some back 2006, 2006. That was what was happening. We were so blasted by the Holy Spirit, y'all. I spent hours on the floor. That was what I want to do. I want to come to church and get on the floor because the Holy Ghost was working on me. He was doing surgery on me. He was untwisting me. He was doing all this amazing stuff inside of me. I don't, some people had an issue with me doing that. I'm thinking, I don't care if you have an issue. I'm having a good time with the Lord right now. God's doing something significant in me. I don't understand it all. But you know what? After a period of time, that stopped. And so I was laying there thinking, well, maybe I need to do something else. But then this thought started coming to me. Here's the thought. Okay, I get the Holy Spirit, what He's doing. I get that, yes, I'm in, Holy Ghost. Spirit of belonging. He's bringing us in. He's causing us to belong. He's He's revealing the Father. Oh, I'm getting the Father. I'm getting a revelation of the Father. I'm starting to know the Father laying on the floor. But then I'm thinking, about, but what? Am, where does Jesus fit into all this? You ever had those thoughts? What's the Jesus in this deal? I began to process that over. So I spent some more time on the floor, not the Holy Spirit. Y'all should try that. If When the next time the Lord moves, if he's doing that kind of thing, please try it. Give him a chance. It might look dumb from the outside. You might look foolish. But if God's doing something in you, it's worth billions of dollars. So, hmm. So he started talking to me, and I'll give you one more scripture, okay? He started talking to me about the Trinity, about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God began, while people were fussing at me about spending too much time on the floor and not taking care of stuff that I need to be caring for, God, the Holy Spirit, the Father, they were talking to Jesus, they were all talking about the Trinity, Not trying to, not explaining the Trinity. They don't have no desire to explain that to our little brains. Because our little brains can't understand. But they were telling me scriptures about the Trinity. Hey, let me read this one more. And then let me read that scripture, okay? I wanted to read this one thing Rick Joyner said that I just so much love. Okay? Are y'all good? This is what Rick Joyner said. I think we have it. The main thing that we can do to help the earth... Is a permanent and lasting, in a permanent and lasting way, is to help the church become what she needs, is called to be, which is the bride of Christ. The most effective way that we can do this is by loving God more, knowing Him better, and abiding in Him. That's the answer. And directing the church's attention to who He is. That's what Rick Jorner said in. Directing the church's attention to who Jesus Christ is, who God the Father is, who the Holy Spirit is. That's how, that's our weapon against Marxism. That's our weapon against wokeism. That's our weapon against trafficking and abortion. That's the main weapon. There's power in that. There's power when we begin. Practice this and live this. There's a power that gets released. It's not not us going out and beating up people and hating people. It's that. It's loving him, knowing him, and releasing that and coming into that revelation. Are y'all following this? That's really what we need to major on, y'all. I'm just telling you. Well, let me read this, and then I'm going to have to stop because Paul has already told me do not go overtime no more ever. Unless Jesus is manifesting in the ring. Because she says some reason at 12 o'clock the children that are in the nursery have something that happens to them. And it's weird. All of a sudden they're ready to go to war. They're ready to kill the nursery workers. The nursery workers are ready to kill me. And I, because they're getting killed. So I don't want to be dead. But let me read this. And I'm reading out of the Amplified. I hope this is making sense. I didn't plan this like this. I planned it in a more better way. The grace, favor, Amplified Classic, not the newer Amplified. It's not as good. Get the Amplified Classic. It's the best. The grace, favor and spiritual blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave me that when I was processing About the Trinity. This is how the Trinity works, Byron. This is what He he wants to do. This is what they want to do for you. Favor and spiritual blessing from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God. And I'm adding the Father. That's what He's into. He's into love. He's into being a Father. He's into helping you and holding you. He was showing me all that land there. And the presence that's why I like this—the presence and fellowship of the Holy Ghost. That He likes to get involved with you. The communion and sharing together and participation in the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So be it. Isn't that beautiful? That became sort of like a mantra for me. How did I get the mantra? Laying on the floor, and the Holy Spirit dealing with me. I think more than a couple of weeks ago, John, John fourteen. If you seen me, you've seen the Father. I didn't know anything about that. How did I get it? Laying on the floor, Holy Spirit. All right, so anyways, I'm going to read this one last quote. But I didn't put it there because I don't really like all of it. You ever heard of a guy named Arthur? B-U-R-K-E. Burke, not B-U-R-T. This Burke guy's interesting. But this is something that really provoked me when I read it. But I don't like everything he said. But I am going to provoke you with it. Most Christians know one member of the Trinity better than the others. And the deeper they go in their strength, the more, this is the part I don't like, deformed. It's not good. I don't believe that. The more deformed they become in their Christianity because we need a deep working relationship with all three. That's true. We need a deep working relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, we end up with people who are so very right about their core message but become deformed, not good, in the walking out of their Christianity individually or as, or as a ministry because they do not have a threefold relationship with the triune God. That's beautiful, except that word deformed. I would say it more like this we're more overdeveloped in certain areas. See, God gives everybody core messages. He gives everybody particular revelations that we have to live our life on. That's why we need unity. That's why we need not to be divided. That's why we need people of other races and other cultures to speak to to us and tell us about the God that they know that we have no clue about. Because they see God and relate to God different from us North Carolinian people. From Richmond County. There's people, other people, there's Africans, there's Indians, there's Asians, there's Hispanic people that carry something from God that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Lots of times I would like to say instead of deform, we're like these bodybuilders you see that are beautiful up top. They got muscles, chest, shoulders, but their legs are toothpicks. And sometimes we're like that. We're developed well in some areas, but other areas we're toothpicks. And we need somebody to come and speak to the toothpick. Those legs look bad, boy. I got some revelation and I'll put some muscle on them legs. Those people are not deformed, they're just lacking something. And we're lacking something, y'all. We need other believers. We need each other. And that's what Paul was trying to tell these people. You don't need to be divided. You need others. You've got to st- he even address two people in the church. Y'all better stop. Two women that were powerful women. And he went after them. Because he was saying, you need that person. One of them was saying they thought the pandemic was real. The other one said they didn't think it was real. And Paul was saying, you need both. Y'all need each other. Y'all need each other. All those left-leaning Christians that love the Lord, those right-leaning people need those left-leaning people. They do, y'all. Now, I'm telling you, that's what the Lord began to talk to me about. But the main thing he said is you have to center your life on Jesus Christ because Christ has preeminence in all things. That's what Colossians tells us. And if you'll center your life on Him, if you will make Him preeminent in your life, a lot of your issues, a lot of your problems will start working out. Doesn't mean they're going to go away. Like that night, they didn't go away, but something changed in me. God wants to change something in us. He wants us. To, he wants us to really make Jesus preeminent. The disciples followed Jesus, but they didn't know who he was. We can be following this person and not really knowing. God's calling us to really come into an intimacy with him. Amen. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.